about um, Jesus' body broken and blood spilled for us. And so I want it in your hand. Go ahead and pass them out um, while I'm talking so that's even like a divine distraction. When your mind begins to wander uh, even about what I'm saying, I want you to re- remember what this is about. Okay, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And, and we are a family are, are, are about Jesus. One thing, Jesus, okay? Um, and this is going to be, in short, our conclusion um, to the Way of Jesus series we've been in. Because that series is supposed to end today and lead us into the conference next weekend. Um, and so if you have a Bible, I know you've got communion in your hands. Uh, if you can't open it, it's fine. It's all going to be up here. It's all going to be right here. I just want you engaged with it. But we're in Luke, uh, Luke 11 again, the same passage where Jesus taught his disciples this thing um, on his way of life, his way of living, uh, making us into his image. And I just want to say, if possible, I know that... Um, uh, we're doing a potluck, and sometimes when we have a potluck, um, some of the ladies are like, when it's about to be over, they run out. If it's possible for us all to stay and have communion, I don't mind waiting five more minutes for your casserole, okay? Um, I'd rather have you here for this. Now, if it's urgent, like it's going to burn because you didn't get it out, then go ahead and run and get it. Like, there she goes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no judgment, okay? If you have to go, go. Um, but if you don't have to, communion's so important um, and that we get to, to do it together, okay? Um, yeah, because it's, it's about Jesus, right? Like with what's going on in our world right now, Israel, Gen Z, we need Jesus, right? Um, many of us in our own lives, there are things going on, there are things shaking, there's transitions happening, there's all of us have things, right? And um, I just want to say, it's not an oversimplification. Many times the one thing we need most is Jesus, right? We don't need another circumstance. You just need to lean, lean, lean into him. Um, and, and we need to be connected to him. Um, and I want to say even, I, w- I was hearing some statistics about this um, this week, Uh, For you as parents, us as parents, I know not everyone is a parent. Many of us are. Um, But the statistics say what what has the lasting impact on your child that they would follow Jesus for the rest of their days? Um, Is it this circumstance, that circumstance, this thing? But the truth of the matter is what they seem to find as the, uh, the deciding factor of children's future in the faith is if they observe that their parents at home had a living, vibrant, authentic connection with Jesus. Not that their parents were perfect. Not that their parents preached to them. Not even that, that their church was something or wasn't something. It was that they saw that their parents loved Jesus at home. Um, and so I just want to say what you need, parents, if you want your parents, to, your kids to follow Jesus, is a living, vibrant connection with Jesus. That's the most important ministry. It's the most important ministry. There. I appreciate all kinds of ministries, but there's no sub- substitute for the substance of Jesus. No substitutes. I won't even share, I want to share this too, because it's meaningful to me, but it's illustrative. Um, I've met, now that I've been in ministry for a while, um, uh, adults who were pastor's kids, 
And I'm very interested in that because I'm a pastor and I have kids. And pastor's kids have a reputation, a bad rap sometimes. And when I find the ones that aren't, they're doing awesome in Jesus, I'm like, what, what happened? <laughs> what did your parents do? Um, you know, and, and surprisingly, the, the answer is the same. Sometimes the churches that they were a part of were awesome, but many times they weren't. A lot of times they weren't. And you know, you would think it'd be so easy for a kid who saw their parents have a very, very bad church experience to not want Jesus, but what they saw in the midst of the good or the bad was their parents loving Jesus at home. Um, it's what we all need. So we're going to wrap up this last part of this, this series. I'm going to pray as we jump into Luke 11. And with God's grace, in 10 minutes, we'll take communion and they need a meal. Thank you, Jesus that you have made a way for us to know you, that nothing keeps us from you because you have dealt with it all. You've dealt with every sin, every hang-up, every distraction, every defense. God has been broken down by your body. Lord, I pray as we look to your word that you would cause our hearts to come alive to you again and again and again. If you agree, say amen. All right, Luke chapter 1. We've read this every week in this series, and I'm going to read it one last time. And this is where we land. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Verse 2 of Luke chapter 11. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need or daily bread, which is the last session we did. And verse 4, this is where we're going to land. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation. I want to read that one again. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation. The title of the message would be, As We Forgive. The way of Jesus is about living in the way that we have been forgiven. We will forgive. You know, the truth of the matter is, Romans 3.23 tells us that we all have fallen short. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the next verse says, and all of us then are justified freely by the grace of God. You all have heard that verse before again, but I'm going to say it again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This is the truth. You, me, all of us, every person on the face of the planet has fallen short of God's glory, the perfect standard that is God. Only one has met the mark, and it's Jesus. But we, when we come to faith in Jesus, are justified freely. What does that mean? Everything that was wrong, everything that was lesser, every way we missed the mark, Jesus made up for. We're justified. It means we're made right. We're made righteous. We meet the standard, not because we suddenly became good, but because he was good. And because his nature was made our nature when we put our faith in Jesus. So we fall short, Jesus makes up the difference. We are indebted to God, and Jesus paid the debt. You all know this, right? This is the gospel. This is really good news. 
And I want to tell you, it is the greatest gift you've ever been given. To be justified freely by the grace of God is to be made right with God is the greatest gift we have ever been given. And the way of Jesus is for us to freely receive and freely walk in the way that he has loved us. With a free grace he has given to justify us completely. And so this passage in the way of Jesus is a daily way of walking with God where we are aware that we have fallen short. Forgive us our sins. Forgive me of my sins, Father, today. I realize today that I have fallen short. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So daily we need to be so very aware that it's the grace of God that justifies us. And that same measure that we receive that is the measure we are to pour it out on those around us. Because not only do I fall short, so do you. Not only have I missed the mark over and over and over and over again every day, so have you. I'm glad you all agree with that. (laughs) If you didn't think that was true, we'd have another problem. And so how do we then live? How do we live the way of Jesus when we're all falling short all the time? When we know Jesus is the standard and the standard doesn't change? It's as we forgive. In Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus, verse 29, and Jesus comes to him, well, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And you've got to understand that Peter thought he was being really generous. He's like, not just once, right? What if I forgive seven times? What if I forgive seven times for what they did to me? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven, one version say. This version up here says 77 times. Now that's not so you would keep a tally mark. <laughs> All right, Tom, that's number three. You know, tomorrow, number four five, and six, because you really messed with me during that elders meeting. No, I'm kidding. Uh, It wasn't that. Seven was a number, and 70 times seven, they would have ultimately understood was the eternal perfection of God. So in the nature that God forgives is the nature to which we forgive our brothers. And Jesus goes on to tell a story then, and you may be familiar with it. He said, there's a man who owed a debt he couldn't pay. And his master came to him, and he relieved him of the debt, said, you're free. I know you can't pay me. Go, live your life, be free. And the man ran off, and instead of rejoicing in his newfound freedom, went and found someone that owed him. Said, you owe me, pay me back. And the master found out, and it wasn't good. But at the end of the day, the story, the the meaning of the story is this, that when we understand how freely we've been forgiven, our goal should be to, one, live free, but also not to, but also to live in a way that sets other people free from their debts, from the way they, they, they fall short. Because here's the true story, that as much as that servant in jail could not pay his debt, you and I cannot pay up for our sin. And here's the truth. When people wrong you and me, they actually don't have the means to pay up for their sin either. Not just to God, but to us. There's, there's, there's no way in which any of us can make up for how we've wronged God or how we've wronged other people. We are all at a deficit. We all fall short. None of us can meet it back to make it up for the standard 
You know, but Jesus, because of who he is and, and what he has done for us, wants us all to be free, to live free, to be free, and to be changed. To be free, to be changed, to be, to be different. Because here's the thing, if the, the debtor had to stay in jail to make up for his debt and never got out, then his life becomes defined by this one thing. I am in debt, and I can't pay the debt. Now I'm in jail forever. That is not life. That's not living. And Jesus wants us all to live. So when we know that we've been set free by the Lord and we couldn't pay the debt, then we should, he, so that we're not trapped in that sin that we committed. It's so that we're free to live unburdened by our sin. It's so we're free to live not entrapped by our mistakes. Is this making sense? He's actually giving us freedom to live a different life. Right? That's the freedom he gives. I forgive you. I remove the debt. I will make up the difference. Now you go free. The point is not go do it again, not go rack up more debt. It's go live different. But if we're trapped in the prison of our own debt and sin then we can't even live different. We don't have the opportunity to be changed. And that's what forgiveness does. We could celebrate and we should celebrate that though we are very guilty before God, he, he loved us enough to cleanse us and to set us free. But he also came to change us from the inside out. And so what does forgiveness do? It sets us free to live different. It sets us free to be different. It gives us the opportunity to be transformed that we can't get when we're locked up in jail. And so when we're looking at those who may wrong us and we think about forgiving them, we have to realize we want to give them the same opportunity that we have in God to be changed, to live transformed, to be different. But if we lock them up in their need to pay us back, then even in our own heart, they don't have the opportunity to become anything but what they did to us. Is this making sense? I'm grateful that God set me free so that I could live different. I want to give the same gift to everyone I know. It doesn't mean when we forgive people for what they've done, and I, and, and I have to realize there's such a large range, right? There's harsh words to abusive situations and on and on. And there's a, a wide spectrum of things we're talking about, right? And they're all included. So I'm going through this fast, but I wanted to get you the, the idea. That I'm saying, oh, it's so easy. Oh, this is so easy. Why, why don't you do this? Like, this is hard. It takes the grace of God to live the grace of God. To, to let guilty ones go through free, I'm glad I get to go free. It's not easy, though, to not keep a record of what's wrong. That's hard. Now, let's say what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. In fact, when we release forgiveness to someone, whether they know we did or not, it's not saying what they did doesn't matter. It actually means that what they did was wrong. We're not relieving people of the fact that what they did was wrong. We're just not trapping them and trapping them in that we're not pr making a prison for them to live in that space forever and the prison comes not just to them it comes to us what does it mean it means that we don't hold the debt against them 
we don't expect them to pay what they can never pay. It means that I lean in Jesus and the grace of God in such a way that I can say, they don't owe me anything. They don't owe me anything. This is hard. And in our own strength, it's impossible. It means we must go to Jesus. We must depend on Jesus. It's the only way it works. The only way. It's supernatural. Again, it doesn't, it doesn't mean oh, everything's fine, nothing happened. It's actually just the opposite. It says we put the debt on the one who can pay it. He's the only one who can pay back in full what we did or what anyone did to us. He's the only one. He can only be the one that can give back what we lost, especially on this end, right? The only one who can heal what was taken from us. He's the only one has that could possibly do that. We put the debt on him. And when the pain of the, the whatever it is comes, where I feel the debt of what is lacking from what happened with that person, I release them and I go to him to fill the gap. I release them and I go to him to fill the gap, to heal my heart, my soul, because God can and the Father will. And I go to him so that he can change them. Is this making sense? God makes up for what we miss and causes us to the mark. And this is daily. Because pain will come to you daily from what happens today, but what happened 10 years ago. And every day you have an opportunity, 70 times 7, to forgive that person or yourself or your brother. I mean, it's everyone, you, daily. This is our, our way. This is the way of Jesus for your spouse, for your children, for your siblings, for your pastor, for your teachers, for your friends, for your relatives, all the people who've missed the mark, and it hurts daily, we put the debt on him and release grace to them. When we forgive the debt, who makes up the difference? Jesus. Jesus does. It's, it's not easy, but it is his way. And aren't you so glad? And he calls us into this way. So when we know then, we miss the mark, but God takes up the space. You know what the goal is? You know what the goal is in the way of Jesus walking in the, the as we forgive? The goal of 70 times 7, every time the pain comes, every time the circumstance presents itself, the, the goal is that we can come to a place where we look at that person, we look at that situation now, and we see Jesus. And we see what he's doing, that he is present right now in that moment. Or we can see whether it's, you know, it's crazy hard or not, that we see even in that moment that Jesus was there. The goal is that we begin to see him more than we see the pain. The goal is we see him more than that person. The goal is we see him. The goal is we live in him. Is this making sense? As we follow him, we'll see him. And we see one another, we want to see him. I don't want to just see you, your shortcomings. I want to see the glory of God when I look at you. I want to see God at work when I look at you. I'm going to share one more passage, then we're going to take communion. Colossians 3, 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. God's the standard, and God's the measure. Forgiveness is a work as we walk in this life that never stops, because none of us gets it right all the time. If you find someone who responds right in every circumstance, you might as well just bow down and worship because you must have met Jesus. But if the person in front of you is not Jesus, they need forgiveness just as much as you do. They need to be free to live and free to be changed. Forgiveness is given freely with God, but it's not cheap. It was very, very costly for Jesus. Jesus will never look at you and say, oh, it was easy. It was easy having my body broken. No, he will never say that. But you know what I believe he would say? It was worth it. I think he'd say, I have no regrets. I paid in full up front. And in the moments where we feel like we just can't let go, we just can't forgive, we lean into Jesus because he paid in full. He paid up front, and it was worth it to him. Again, forgiveness doesn't mean it's okay, but it frees you, and it frees the other person to be healed. And it puts the offending person, party, situation in God's hands. You know what? He's really good. He's really good at it. He's really good at dealing with people, especially broken people. He's really good at changing lives. Did you know that? He's really good at healing wounds. Is this making sense? Now, I've got to make one note before we close this thing because there's so much in all of our lives, and some of us have experienced some very bad, bad things. I'm not saying we don't confront people when it's necessary. I'm not saying we don't repair relationship where it's appropriate. I'm not saying you don't report things when you need to. Do those things too. But you can still do it with a forgiving, releasing heart. Is this making sense? Um, if someone needs to be put on trial for jury here on earth, I'm not telling you not to do that. Justice needs to be served that way. I'm not telling you not to do that. But I'm just saying, like, it won't be your reward. It won't be your recompense. It won't be your repayment. It won't make it better if you don't let Jesus do the work to heal your heart. Forgiveness is the work that goes on in us. Conversations, litigations go on out here. Forgiveness is the work in our heart with the Lord. And it's a non-negotiable in the way of Jesus. It is the way we stay whole in a broken world. Forgiveness, I'll give you a, a stamp thought for your bumper sticker. 
Forgiveness freed us. It did, didn't it? But it also frees us. Present tense. It frees us when we forgive others the way Jesus forgave us. It frees us. God's forgiveness sets us free to live, and our forgiveness to others sets them free to live, to be transformed. And it frees us from the pain of trying to settle debts in our own strength. We need that. So let's come to the table. Open up that communion cup. Uh, On the bottom is where you'll find the cracker bread representing Jesus' body. Ooh, double portion on mine. (laughs) It's it's an anointed word, y'all. So open that up, take that cracker, and realize that we get to receive freely because of Jesus' broken body, the free gift of forgiveness, because we're placing ourselves in the hands of the master daily. We're placing ourselves into his provision for us, and he's giving us grace to place those who hurt us in the master's hands as well. Does that make sense? Forgive us, Lord, of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I'll just take a moment um, right here. It's fine. You don't need to come up and play. I see you give me the look. <laughs> just take the, we're going to take a moment of silence before the Lord. Would you just take that bread in your hand and close your eyes before him? Will you just let him right now um, touch your heart first with just, if you haven't recently saying, Lord, I need you to forgive me. Lord, I need you to forgive me for all the ways that I fall short. I thank you that Jesus, your broken body, made up the difference. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the debt that I could never repay. Thank you, Jesus, that you decided beforehand to forgive me by your broken body. And as we do this, again, I'm going to give you a minute to do that. I also want you to lean into the grace of God to release those who maybe even as I've been talking today have come to mind. Circumstances, situations, and there's still a sting in your heart. That's okay. It's just a sign. Forgive again. 70 times 7. 70 times 7. And so you don't have to dig it up, but whatever the Lord is stirring today, would you just right here with that bread in your hand release forgiveness to those people, whether it was yesterday or 25 years ago? Would you say, Lord, I choose to release them into your hands. I choose to see you in the midst of the situation. I'm just going to wait here for 60 seconds in silence for you and the Holy Spirit to have that conversation. You literally might even just need to take a couple breaths, inhale and exhale, just releasing the weight of that to the Lord. 
That's what I feel like I'm doing right here, just releasing it, exhaling as a physical sign of what's happening in your heart and spirit. Right, and when you're ready, let's stand together as we do this. I feel um, just even now in this moment, we are gonna take this bread, promise. Um, I just see light coming actually into places that have been darkened, places that have been hard. I see and lightness coming to your, your souls today. I see lightness coming to your spirit. I see a lightness coming to your heart as you lean in, as you lean into Jesus right now. He is he's lightening the load that you've been carrying. And so Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. I like to break the cracker as a sign and a reminder, so if you want to do that. Thank you for your body broken. Because your body was broken, we are healed. The punishment that brought us peace was upon you. And by your stripes, we are healed. Go ahead and take that cracker. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, open up that cup. It's the blood of Jesus that washes us white as snow. And his blood is more than enough. It's not just enough. It's more than enough. So Jesus, we thank you for the cup that you poured out that still pours today, that cleanses us, not just our spirits, but our souls, our bodies, and our consciences. Lord, I pray as we drink this cup representing your blood, that even our minds today would be flooded and cleansed, washed. Our consciences would be cleansed and renewed uh, by the the shedding of your blood, by the the power of your shed blood. We receive it by faith today. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take that. And let me just pray for us as we end. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. Give us grace to walk in your way all of our days. Give us grace to walk in the way of Jesus every day. And 70 times 70 times 70 times 70 to forgive because that's how you treat us. Let us walk in the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God all of our days. And Lord, I thank you. Uh, for this people, for this spiritual family, for those who are not with us today as well, that a supernatural grace would be released today. Um, A supernatural grace of the, the kindness and mercy of Jesus would flow among us and bind us together in love. In Jesus' name.